Hello, my name is Tessa Johnson Verberg, and this is Alt G, a podcast where we're taking a look at democracy through an intergenerational lens. Over the past few months, I've been talking with people from across the U.S. to better understand how generations are sharing civic life. I've found along the way that our perspectives are shaped pretty dramatically by how we interact with other generations. And while many of those interactions are filled with disagreements, family drama, and misunderstandings, in those moments, there are also amazing stories and answers to some of our most difficult problems. Being a couple hundred years in, we are the inheritors of a democracy that has changed and been reinvented many times over. But now we're the keepers of it, and eventually we will all be the ancestors too. Every generation has a unique vantage point and something they can add. Alt-G is a place where we reach out in both directions, younger and older, to hopefully figure out how to do this thing just a little bit better. Now, 2020 has been a rough year. There have literally been hundreds of events from natural disasters to civic failures. And if you're feeling tired, dare we say burned out from the political process, you are not alone and we might have a few ideas for you. Today, we'll hear stories from a few amazing millennials who've gone through various levels of burnout in their paths of civic engagement. And while many of their stories differ in a number of ways, the thing they have in common is the discovery of the restorative and even energizing feeling that can come from community. Our first story comes from Montserrat Placencia Bernal. Originally from the traditional Coca territory known as Guadalajara, Mexico, and now living and working in Los Angeles, California, Monse serves on her neighborhood council and has been an active leader in helping her community adapt to COVID-19. She received a bachelor's in ecology from UC Santa Cruz, where she cultivated a language of stewardship and conservation by researching urban bee gardens. She then started her professional career with San Mateo County, and is now finishing her MBA as she seeks to bridge the equity, wealth, and wellness gap by working with both corporations and communities. Hey. Hello, hola. Hey, Monse. Well, it's so exciting to have you here, and thank you so much for coming to share your experience. Um, we are going to talk about burnout today. And actually, I really like your word for it. Um, when we first met, we were both serving in a political role. We were serving as student representatives in our graduate program. And one of the words that you have used to talk about burnout is feeling sour, which I feel like is just such a perfect word for burnout, sour. So I wonder, maybe before we get too far into that, let's start pre-sour. I would love to know about what is your first encounter with civic life, however that shows up for you. What does that first encounter look like? I'm really glad that you asked that question. My first encounter that I, that I could remember, I think it, my first, first encounter is... I, before I went into politics, I was a bee scientist. So I studied pollinators in urban gardens. And so I was collecting a lot of um, ecological data around the benefits of community gardens. And there was this one garden that was 
being proposed to be removed to be made into a parking spot for the Santa Cruz boardwalk. And I think that was like my aha moment that as a bee scientist, my ecological data wasn't gonna push push towards the democracy that I wanted to see. And it was my aha moment that I wanted to engage with the community more than being in the lab, collecting and identifying these samples. Because I enjoyed, I think what hurt me the most about this development project was that the people that came to these spaces because we're collecting data and they're there watering the plants and we get to see the, the various types of folks that are coming into these spaces to heal on their own, to create community, to nurture um, the land, to nurture themselves. I think that was the most beautiful takeaway from my research. And I realized that the reason why I enjoyed my research was being in this, these spaces with the community. Uh, sadly, the our data didn't, we, we petitioned, we rallied, and um, it didn't fall it didn't, the, the development project kept going. I can only imagine how frustrating that is to put in, you know, work and work that you have been doing professionally and not have the result that you wanted for that space. Um, you know, how did that shape or impact your work going forward? It it, it's it really like fired up the justice in me um, and the the intersection between environmental justice and then just the 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 social justice piece um, and it was the turning point for me to be like all right how do I get involved more with the political process and that's when I found myself with the county I was like I wanted I'm, I come from, from a very scientific ecological background I can break down information into educational materials for folks with various backgrounds, um, the folks that, that I clearly want to connect with, um, the communities of color, underserved communities, folks that don't, don't know how to get involved, or um, folks with a cultural background. And I think the second piece is just being an immigrant myself and like having my, my having to advocate for a lot of um, my parents uh, health and economic and just navigating the societal ways of surviving <laughs> uh, um, in society uh, and responsibilities. I think as a, as I get older, I'm realizing that that is a responsibility I honor um, that I want to continue to be responsible for my parents in their success in being successful as immigrants in the US, even though they are citizens, we still play those roles where we're helping one another with finances, we're helping one another understand interest rates and home and, and how to lower those the how to lower the interest rates for your 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 property, your home property. And I'm learning about that because I want to help them reduce their costs in any way or advocating about their health. I just had a conversation with my dad about, hey, you know, if you don't request the type of health needs that you need, then you can't be waiting for the doctor to tell you your next steps. Like you have to ask the things that you want 
that you want for your health. And so like having those reminders and having those conversations with my parents. Yeah, I love how you immediately go from community to your parents very specifically that like large community and then obviously your really small community, just your relationship with your parents. Um, and I hear you that you, when you're involved in community, having those reminders, having to advocate for yourself, all of that is true, whether it's you and your doctor, or you and your representative, all of it is there in that piece of, if you want health, you got to advocate for it. Um, I know that was something that we, we definitely strive to do when we were serving as student representatives. Um, and I know that for you during that time, we went through a lot. <laughs> We don't need to go into too much detail there, but we went through a lot. And um, at the end of, you know, halfway through, you chose to take a year break away from graduate school, away from being a representative and focus in on yourself. I'd love to know a little bit about that experience of beginning to feel that sourness and how you came back from it. But yeah, I'll, I'll start from the beginning. Like I, I definitely had turned sour from, from being in, in, a, in politics that made me, made me less trusting in the process. And I think I wasn't in a, in a good space personally to, to take on that responsibility. And so when I did take care of myself, took a year off, um, did some self-care, it really made space for my efforts to engage with the community and the and the democratic and political process much more with what with, with much more energy and much more intentions and with the patience to actually see things through even if they're super small and even if they don't have such big impact in the world like we want to um, impact the world biggest thing that we can do is be able to change ourselves to be more positive, to be the leaders and to make small changes to inspire others to do the same. And that collective effort is, is what I'm mo most gravitated by in terms of community organizing and getting folks more, more aware of the political processes that will give them power because every person has power. It's not about money anymore. It's about people recognizing their true strengths as, as people, as who they are, their, their, their gifts, their talents, their relationships, the things that you can't put a value, a monetary value on, on it. Um, so that's been the most exciting part, just bringing back that um, liveliness to political process that I once had, once became sour. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I, could, I wouldn't be able to say this without taking a step away from it for a while. Yeah, I so you, you mentioned like taking a step back and reestablishing your relationships at that like individual level and, and just like not doing anything, just focusing on like yourself and that like immediate community. What like, what has that kind of been like for you? And, and it sounds like a lot of healing. What, how has that, you know, come about? I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I think the personal healing is so fundamental to community work because you want to do things. Um, you want to do things out of a good place in your heart, a good place in your life. 
so that inspiration can actually be seen and felt by others. And I definitely was not attracting the best crowd when I was sour um, and I was trying to do good work, but I was coming at it from a very negative perspective, like a very um, risky, radical uh, uh, pathway. And now I'm, I would say that I've transformed into more of a compassionate, patient radical where folks are willing to listen to these new ideas, these new ways of organizing as a community that resonates with their lives or with how they want, with a, with a help in hand, they're like, I'm willing to, to take that step if, if, you're, if, if you're willing to you know, hold my hand for a while. And that vision, I'm willing to be in that space with, it, with, with you. And so I think that's a big piece in my healing process that I know is so fundamental in getting and gaining trust and gaining community trust. Because you have, you have to be in a great place for yourself. I'm not saying great. I mean, there's, you definitely have to acknowledge that there's some things that are still uncertain and there's some things that are still frustrating. Um, but I think it's uh, having a good attitude in general overall about the process whether it's headed in a, whether it has a clear direction or whether it's still very unknown and very cloudy, but you have a gut feeling that's saying, stay on this path. You, there's something good out there. Just, just, just be patient. And, and you'll see it when, when, uh, when uh, that action is right, when that action and those steps are needed to be taken. Next, we'll be speaking with Anthony Hickling, the Managing Director of the Carbon Leadership Forum in Seattle, Washington. Anthony was awarded the Speak Out Fellowship for Civic Leadership and Social Justice in 2018. He spent the early part of his career working for the Wilderness Youth Project, which is an organization that ensures that all children, regardless of race, class, gender, language, or ability, have opportunities to spend time in nature. In speaking with Anthony, we discovered that he hasn't experienced this similar high level of burnout that others have, but he has had some really interesting experiences that I think are worth a listen. I am Anthony Hickling. I'm 27 years old. I live in Seattle, but came from California very recently. So I haven't voted in Seattle. I'm still learning about what that looks like here. Well, welcome, Anthony. It's so wonderful to have you here. Um, I know that you're still feeling your way around how to be involved civically in Seattle, but if you can think back to a time in your life where you were most civically engaged, tell us about that time. This is when it probably gets embarrassing. Um, most civically engaged. I think it depends on how you define it. I think technically, I was probably pretty civically engaged in terms of breadth of experience at the end of college. I was interning for a senator and I was also at the same time interning for an environmental law firm and was trying to learn as much as I could just about the process of civic engagement, I guess. Um, and so I'd say like technically at that time I was engaged because you know, a few days a week, I was dedicating time to it. Uh, I don't really know how much that actually made an impact though. So I would say in terms of civic engagement that meant anything, I don't know, maybe it hasn't changed since then. Maybe I'm just not very civically engaged. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think um, I think that I I'm surrounded by a lot of people now who who are very aware and who want to make a difference and so I would say right now and particularly in my last five years of work I've tried to be civically engaged in a way that's um, maybe not through traditional democratic systems but through volunteering or finding like for example my last job was not the kind of like status job where I was bringing in the money and really focused on myself I think the work was really about supporting a larger community and so for me working at an organization that really prioritized equity particularly and diversity and inclusion I think came came as well was uh my primary way of engaging in a way that I feel like I was making a difference for the world so in terms of impact I would say through my workplace and working with Spanish-speaking communities monolingual Spanish speakers and other people who didn't really have access to the kinds of resources that middle and upper class families did have that felt like a pretty real form of engagement. I, I think it, what I'm hearing is like the, the direct impact of the work that you were doing, you know, just a few years ago versus the sort of like putting all your energy into someone else getting to a position of power in college. Do you feel like, you know, when you're talking about like the actual impact, what, how would you measure that? Is it kind of gut I think it's, thing or? No, I think it's just the caliber of the work. Like how much am I driving something that based off of my actions that leads directly to something that I see makes a difference. And mm -hmm. so in college, like even though I'd say officially I like was very much associated with traditional democratic systems and forms of civil engagement, civic engage engagement, it was like, the grunt work and more recently it was kind of sometimes the grunt work still but in addition to that I think that I had opportunity to build deeper relationships and play a role in the strategic conversation and having that opportunity I feel like makes a greater impact and somebody has to do the grunt work and I think that I was at the time doing as much as I could and still am, you know? And so as I've been able to get more experience, I've been able to have more of an impact because I'm just more, you know, suited to do so. At least the way I'm interpreting it, the, the work that is, I see the direct impact of my work and the work that is very much in the way that we do democracy here, which is get behind someone else to get behind someone else to get behind someone else, right? So like, build a movement behind a singular person versus this very mm -hmm. distributive version that you're kind of talking about. And I think that there, there might be something in there. I don't know what, but I'm, I'm hearing it in, in, in that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do we create Good a question. system that has fewer barriers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. What, what would regenerative look like when we're talking about something that more easily is being depleted to a sense uh socially not necessarily Affecting. you know in the resource sense but is nonetheless being depleted and i think there are so many examples right now 
and this is when I think I should be really careful with my words and maybe even be careful with how I'm interpreting the current movement. Um, of, I think that there are examples that I've seen in my personal life of people who are just burnt out on participating in democracy as it is required right now to make change. And I think that that is dangerous. You know, if we are building a system where people become burnt out, I don't think that that really sets us up to make really well thought out uh, systematic solutions. I think at that point we just become reactive. And I think that frustration is good in the sense that it catalyzes something, but I just always hope that the something it catalyzes will create a, an improvement upon what we currently have. And you can let me know if you think that's too big. No, I, I, I think I've heard that from others. One of my conversations, someone's said that they wanted people to really make sure democracy was worth it, you know, like worth mm. for. And I think it came from a place of like both being tired and burned out, but also not seeing the outcomes, right? Mm -hmm. So many, so many years of struggle and not seeing enough of the outcomes that they were hoping for. And yep. that is also, you know, like there, there have been many good wins throughout democracy, making it more inclusive, more accessible, more holistic. But there have also been, there's also like, uh, are we still talking about this? You know, that feeling of yeah. frustration. Um, so I think what you're saying resonates. I'm curious, do you, is there a time where you have felt that, that like frustration or burden or burnout? No. Okay. That's good. That's good. I think, I mean, I don't know if it's a good thing. I think it is also potentially reflective of me not doing enough. Hmm. Is there anything in your life that you think is, so there, there's the idea that maybe you haven't dug deep enough, so you haven't been burned because you haven't even gotten close to the fire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then there's, is there anything that you can think of in your life that is providing some support that allows you to feel better about what, about your engagement or feel more, you know, regenerative in your own life. Yeah. I mean, I worked at a workplace that I think was really intentional about being inclusive, about building community, about prioritizing mental and physical well-being. And, you know, if you're going to be closely engaging with people for 40 hours a week, I think that you need some kind of uh, healthy structure for that. And for me, I was able to really bond with a community of people that was working towards some of the similar issues that I think are important. And so we could kind of commiserate and also build solutions together. And so I think that I don't know. It, it's, it's nice when you have community for the good parts and for the bad parts. After 
after hearing stories from Monse out of California and Anthony out of Washington, it only felt right to finish this episode by rounding out the West Coast. Our last story today comes from Becca Roper, a business consultant and founder of Rebel Rose Consulting, who is going to tell us one final story of burnout and the community care. So my name is Becca Rober. Um, I am uh, Oregonian. Um, I grew up on the coast of Oregon. So I would say that my experience with um, community has been one where uh, like there's, there's, a, there's been many different like mothers and fathers to me. So I think that I come from a perspective of, of already just aligning myself with many different perspectives. And I think I, I would call myself a community builder for sure. I would say that when I was younger, I was, an ex I was <laughs> definitely an activist. I remember like in early high school, I was in Youth for Peace and um, we would stand on the corner, you know, with bread, not bombs type of, of posters. And, um, it was during the Iraq war and like right after nine 11. Um, and then going into college, I, I did a lot of voter registration, uh, work. So I've always been really like very active. And I was definitely, I was, I worked for the the, the bus project, which was a not left, not right, but forward. Um, so the idea was just to get people, get people, young people voting. And that was during the Obama election. And I think after that election, I sort of like, I think I just sort of gave a big sigh of relief. Um, like I was like, oh, Obama's elected and, you know, I can move on to other things. And so I think I, I felt just sort of like not apathetic, but just not very involved during the o the Obama years, and it wasn't really until, um, you know, Trump was elected that it, that it was another wake up wake up call, and that's kind of intersected right when I started my MBA my MBA. So actually, a little after, it was like a little after, but it was all sort of like a wake up call, and I was like, I need to, I need to do something again, and it didn't feel as meaningful to do like voter registration type work. I felt like there was more healing that had to be done both personally and in a community type of way. And I think throughout this MBA, I've been really feeling like the divisiveness and the isolation and um, this disconnect is, uh, it just really feels like where I want to work. So like helping people connect and helping people to feel uh, part of community. Is there a period in your life that you felt most civically engaged? You know, ironically, I think, hmm. I, I worked in the Pike Place Market um, in Seattle, and I'm not sure if you know any, much about it, but it's a uh, it is a community and it's a community, but it's also an open air market that's been there the longest in, than any other open air market in the United States um, since like the, I think the early 1900s. And um, they have like a 
they have all these different services. So they have like a senior home, they have childcare, they have insurance for people who work in the market. And not a lot of people know about that um, in the market, but I think being a part of that community was like super special because it wasn't that I felt so, I guess I'm like kind of riffing off of civic engagement, but it felt the most like a community that I've ever been a part of because mm -hmm. it was, you know, everyone's sort of looking out for each other in different ways, whether it be like their business or the people who worked in the business or like, you know, there were fish throwers and they would like trade us fish for, and I would have chocolate. So it was like just trading things. And um, I don't know, it just felt like really, it just felt really good and involved. And we'd have like, you know, meetings, like monthly meetings. And I just loved being a part of that. So I don't know. I don't know. I think I've always been, I think I feel empty if I'm not being engaged with something, you know? Yeah, I, I'm hearing that your definition of civic engagement is being plugged into the community. Mm -hmm. Decision-making, protesting, like trading chocolate for fish, <laughs> whichever way, that's like all of it is civic engagement. Yeah, that's how I, I mean, I feel like it's just like being, being like connected, like being a node in community. Yeah. I really uh, love to, to sort of like bring people together in different ways, especially around meaningful topics and conversations. Um, one thing that I've done for the last year is hosted dinner where it's for women and uh, we talk about different different um, topics. So things like shame and uh, things like, you know, female friendships, really diverse um, themes. And that's been a really, um, like a highlight for me to be just sort of a, a home base for, for people to sort of come to and connect. Um, yeah, so I yeah, I would just say m my main purpose really feels like community builder. And um, transitioning into this community building space and not wanting to necessarily work on voter registration. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's like there's so many different avenues and where I can put my energy. And that's a place that when I was younger, I had a lot of like physical energy to go out and talk to people and you know, and connect with people like that. Um, just sort of like face-to-face, -face, indirect, willing to put myself out there and be rejected. Um, and I would just say that as I've gotten older, I feel like I still have tons of energy, but it's like, I'm a lot more susceptible to feeling like totally drained by that kind of interaction. Um, so the same with like, I've had retail jobs and that is like, something I would never do again because it's draining, you know, because you're dealing with like all kinds of energies of people. And so I think that I just feel protective of myself at this, at this point in my life. And it's not to say I wouldn't do voter registration. It's just, I feel like I have more, more of an impact in other areas. Yeah. I've heard that from a few people, just this feeling of, um, 
Some people have called it burnout. Some people have just said like, oh, I just can't do it anymore because <laughs> it's, it's exhausting, right? To be, um, yeah, to be in some spaces can, can be very draining. Uh, it's, I'm very encouraged to hear that you found like another avenue that it wasn't like, okay, just completely like back away, but you found another avenue to like continue meaningful work without necessarily needing to be like in that one lane. So there's such like, there's not very much trust. Like people don't trust people and they don't trust strangers. And so it's like, if you have any ounce of connection with someone or they respect you in any way, that's like way more impactful to be able to connect to them, those five people. I've been asking everyone sort of in in the idea that we we pass down democracy as we go, right? That we are, we're both the inheritors and the ancestors of democracy for future generations. With, within that thought, I'm curious if you had one thought that you could leave for a future generation about democracy or civic life, what would that be? Um, I'm, recall, I'm trying to recall something from braiding, a quote from braiding sweetgrass, and I'm not, I'm not going to quote it right, but basically the idea that, I guess like I think of water, and I think of like all of the ways that she talked about water, and I mean it's pretty like, it's pretty um, generic to talk about like the ripple effect, but um, just like the idea that one little thing that you do can impact many different people, and also those changes can impact you as well and those impacts can impact you and so instead of being left in paralysis about not knowing where to start or how to make an impact just like be yourself and be connected and you know do what you can to make an, an imp a positive impact and that will be your legacy. We all know that staying engaged civically can be extremely difficult. If there's one thing that I've learned in talking with these amazing people, it's that community can be a powerful resource for those moments when we need to take a break, to enjoy a meal with great conversation, or even if we need someone to just commiserate with. Finding those connections and taking care of them can help to make the rest of this work a lot easier. If you're interested in learning more or listening to future Alt-G podcasts, visit our website, altgpodcast.com and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Music and the creation of Alt-G comes from my phenomenal brother, Daniel Johnson, and a little help from Epidemic Sound. You can also follow us on Instagram at Alt-G Podcast. Thanks for listening.